They carried the body high into the mountains so that the mountains could reclaim their own. While workers cleared the worn trail to the lofty, snow-covered outcrop, the funeral party trailed behind. At the crest in the Zeus aerial burial grounds, the pallbearers laid to rest their cargo amid countless bones. To close the ceremony, the officiant placed the Tisrian burial cover over the swaddled face to start the procession of mourners which stretched for a quarter league. Seven days prior, news of the councillor's death had spread with appointed couriers. In order to join the funeral activities in Zeus, scores of Tisrians had arrived via either the northern or southern trade winds in their customary winged kites. As the city found room to house them, new relations sprouted and old ones rekindled. Because of the Queldarit's inordinate renown, the numbers of people arriving exceeded expectations. The ancient Tisrians gave him the Colossi name of Taran Aryanka Harpedros. Taran had lived longer than any believed possible, over 900 years. In his extensive life, he had survived both fire wars and dwelled briefly with the Shinsatan during the boundary clashes of the Ten Years' War, from which office he took the name Counselor. Taran was also the primeval keeper of Jambes Marah, when no one had lived there. Most oppressive, though, he became the legendary friend of the first and the second dolphin. Some rumored that if Turan ever died, the prodigies of dolphin would end despite the prophecy that dictated four more. Indeed, to mollify their morbid skepticism, a number had traveled to witness for themselves the corpse of the hermit of Jambismra. To assist Turan's departure and pay honor to his remains, the ceremonies lasted the prescribed seven days. Though Turan was not Tizrian, but Colassi, a dead race, they had laid his body in the only place that befitted his life's work, the elders' chambers, or more precisely, the kaif, a circular arena with wide peripheral steps which seated the elders during gatherings. In Zeus fashion, the floor sat atop the city's thermal vents for warmth. While the central arena remained exposed to elements, the seating sections remained warm. In the center, Turan's body had lain in preparation. Because Turan was one of the city's favored gardeners, local growers had forced hundreds of bulbs, symbols of eternal life and rebirth, to festoon his body. Extending from the springs of the Rivian River in the south to Forder in the north, the Tisrian communities flourished near the geothermal chambers and geyser fields. Across Tisri, the tribes exploited native steam for internal heating, snow removal, irrigation, and the chief role, food production. Long ago, the communities learned to cultivate year-round crops in the region's volcanic soils aided by underground vents. Even in the harshest seasons, the small plot farmers propagated their staples through ingenious designs such as clever bypasses that could regulate the varying pressure of the steam. No other systems, however, were as wide-scale and complex as those found in Zeus. 
as would a plate sit atop a warm bowl, its singular plateau afforded a surplus of food cultivated from its flat, excavated terraces. Before the ceremony, two figures engaged themselves in a quiet argument by the honored deceased. I've no reason to think this man anything but Tizri, answered Gamble Kinreet, the second youngest keeper of Times Hall. But you've been at Times Hall for the last five years, Mona Bendozi complained. You've not heard the young ones bitterly protest that the Qualdorit's boundaries hem them in and prohibit their search for the new homes. Indeed, childbearing inhabitants had overpopulated certain settlements as low as Kemprian Dar. Four of Mona's six children had joined the northern communities to search for habitable land in the Cambrel, the northwestern finger of the Jam Doors. However, the trade winds of Cleta and Rita vanished north of the roots and made travel impossible. Worse, the region was dangerously close to Dren Bashen. The boundaries are what keep the peace with the Shinsaton. They are not his, but our rules, returned Gamble Kinreet, annoyed by the needling complaints. Mona's statement, however, confirmed recent rumors. Even John Bismarck should be retaken, Mona fell into a full diatribe. Why should we continue with Randall's leper treaty when so many Tizrians need the space? Turan Herpedros was a fool for agreeing with Shinsaton. Kindly, if you must speak so, pronounce his name correctly. Gamble attempted to point out her deficiency, but Mona was not interested. Rather, she was pleased that she had captured the attention of a celebrated official and refused him polite leave. Nor did she acknowledge that she had misspoken. Gamble twice bent at his waist. A third bow was signal Gamble's weakness, unless Mona stopped speaking. He was there with the sept at the Shinsaton Jizrib, was he not? She tried to imply to Rand's collusion, but this indictment incensed Gamble. Mona Kaif Bendozi, Gamble addressed his peer. We have seen only little of the Qualdorit, compared to the hundreds of years he dwelt with others. Furthermore, at Jambiz Mraz since the day Randall the Dauphin opened the hermit's dwellings, the heartborn leopards have resided peacefully and required nothing. Truly, Jambiz Mraz is not as large as you would have it, for it cannot support but a handful. More importantly, we cannot break our bond with the Dauphin. Campbell spoke as if Randall were still alive. Besides, if you have any sincere question about the Quelderit, Campbell spoke with stronger resolve, I invite you to journey to Times Hall and ask all you dare. The use of the word dare took Mona aback. When she stopped talking, Gamble bowed for a third time and forced her to reciprocate their convention. As she quietly bowed, Gamble Kenreet left the matriarch awkwardly standing by the corpse of Turan Herpridros. With no fond attachment for Turan's funeral, she hissed away. It unnerves me, Gamble, home to Sean Groust, why people have begun such migrations. A small-framed man whose age had run into unnumbered years, home was Gamble's distant uncle. How many leave here to travel the Cambrel? Gamble inquired. There were two families last week, before that three, before that one. I expect more after the burial, home thoughtfully answered. When one group came through a month ago, their household god tumbled by accident into the street. What a sight, each dropped to scramble for it, he reflected as if it were yesterday. 
Oddly, they tried to conceal it as fast as they fell upon it. None will answer my questions regarding their destination, Gamble complained his plight. You are a leader who cannot govern, Holm consoled his great-nephew. None speak to any Kaif I know, Holm supplemented. Furthermore, no Kaif travel within their groups. Despite warnings, rising idolatry had become commonplace in Tizri. Fortunately, out of elementary courtesy, the believers and the non-believers did not vex each other's ideas. At the end of the Second Fire Wars, when the Kaif released the Tizrians from seclusion, the populations had prospered in wealth and leisure. What did it matter, many said, that the youth have such fetishes, so long as their culture flourishes? How can society be in error when it thrives? And one more thing, dear nephew, Holm concluded. I'm having a hard time with the words, but they look different, prematurely mature. Gamble had not witnessed the recent migrations, hence the impact of Holmes' words escaped him. Unfortunately, he dismissed Holmes' last observation. We will lose them by ease, Gamble moaned aloud. As he looked out the window, he worried. No one will know. They will be cut off. Are things that bad? inquired the older man. Yes, our Yorins say the realm has grown while its enemies have spilled into the drens of the Gnome. The three roots are overrun with Shinsetan as they break our treaty and cross the boundary. Campbell delivered his summary report. Holmes said nothing. Neither wished to continue the unhappy conversation. Campbell's thoughts wandered, however, and he quoted a segment from a poem from the shelves of Times Hall. Sham door is resting. The collar, heavy on their shoulders, rises no more. On behalf of the living, Tizri seeks guidance from the whore, whose gods are dead, bidding them to turn against their people. As gaze the feeble, everywhere darkness lies inescapable. Holm, who knew the poems, he had missed something and commented, Such a dark verse. Campbell's thoughts rambled, Strange, dear uncle, he started. I've never once asked you about that catastrophe. You had lived through it when I was a boy. To avoid youthful impertinence, Gamble directly inquired, but rather asked others close to his age who had imperfectly relayed the tale. Tell me, uncle, about the desolation of Shamdor, he asked. Uncle Holmes stared at his grandnephew's worried face. Has your verse brought on this cheerless mood? Gamble looked away, but repeated his request. Uncle Holm began, pleased that his nephew was interested. I was with my Yorin to travel along the Fourth Divide. Fates favored us as we had our gear and were on foot when the calamity struck. The mountains shifted and we fell like beads from a broken string. I called out for Bandy Milio, my friend, before he tumbled into a fissure. As he disappeared, steam surged out of the belly of the jam doors, and I knew he was dead. The others, however, I never saw. How can it be? I thought. I looked up. The first city of the clouds, the magnificent sham door, cracked like some fresh topar dome bowl, unfit for use. The memory strained Holmes' face. As Gamble refilled his uncle's teacup, Holm continued. I heard the grumble of the giants. After the shaking subsided, the mud came. I saw my own death, but quickly ran toward Shinshitan land without concern. 
The older man was inside his own story, reliving it, as it were, some fifty years hence. As he listened to Holmes' tale, Campbell watched through the window panes as the villagers in the street passed their nondescript hut. Surely there was no warning, young Holmes to Sean complained to Senesan Bokai, his only comrade who had survived the disaster. In moments, the oldest Tizrian settlement, Shamdor, had disappeared. Clinging to cliffs, Holmes and Senesan found each other alive after the muddy avalanches settled. Never had the mountains shown such disregard or contempt for life as then. Dumbfounded, the pair bitterly grumbled as they struggled to fully comprehend their losses. I heard nothing, Shanasan shouted at home from across a gap. Both thought the same. No, neither did I, Holm muttered. In the past, when desperate erratic bursts of steam vented through the city, the mountain had offered early warnings. Small ground tremblings would signal the residents to leave the distressed vents until the rumblings and the ensuing damage concluded. Slipping in the warm mire, covered in grime, the pair ascended the life-saving crags which had diverted the hot mudslides. They maneuvered to the top of the bluff, ankle-deep in fine sludge, while they constantly sought signs of their missing city. Since the brazen convulsion had demolished the trail, Holm and Sanison continued climbing to a plateau, a considerable distance from their home. From that vantage point, they witnessed the full devastation. Flows of steam and seething water had vented throughout Shamdor. The boiling mud had eaten the common entrance and flat domain that was the public square. Half, Holm whispered, half the city gone. Half, Old Holm whispered, but not to gamble. Since the desolation, comparable quakes and eruptions had struck the long stretch from Sham Weimark to Shamdor, and propelled young families to settle farther from home. The increased migrations outside the Tizrian territory heavily weighed on Gamble's shoulders. As keeper of Times Hall, Gamble Kinreet had followed the lead of Turan Herpridros as a sui generis ambassador to the realm. He believed in forcing the set boundaries which would avoid threat of war between the two cultures. Unfortunately, the growing illiberality among the enlarged families and Gamble's lack of real home authority brought that threat closer. Unruly families felt the land settled by the treaty could not support their growing population. Consequently, they homesteaded parts of Shinsethon land. Sadly, two skirmishes in the past eight years had taken four lives three of which were Tizrian.